Uh, guys, welcome to the For Those Who Inquired podcast. Um, I, guy, I'm your host, Edward Marlowe, but it's absolutely ridiculous what we have going on here right now. I am fortunate enough to have Hall of Famer Neil Bradley, uh, a future Hall of Famer in Dave Winder, who does hold the record for RBIs in a single game in Ohio Valley Conference baseball, and another future Hall of Famer in Kenny Roth. Kenny, let's just start with you. Just walk me through, if you had to write your own bio, what would it say to describe to people kind of what you have to offer for Murray State Athletics? Let's see, Ed. My own bio for Murray State Athletics would be um, – Assistant coach, assistant athletic director, interim athletic director, Neil's um, bag man, and um, I am undefeated as a color analyst. Yeah, yeah, never lost over there in our seat. <laughs> That's absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, I want to put I want to put I want to put Dave Winder on the spot here for just a split second. I found the Murray State uh, Go Racers news release from October seventeenth, twenty fourteen. It was released at nine forty three in the morning. It says Racer Radio Network starting lineup set, and it's just the three of you guys. This is what I, this is what I have, and this is what I envision you guys are sitting at right now in Myrtle Beach. It's uh, Kenny. You guys are in the WNBS studio. It's Neil in the the Murray State vest. Uh, you've got to be wearing a Murray State vest right now for this podcast. Dave, you're in the middle with like a Murray State tie, and then you have Kenny there to the left. And it's just the three of you guys cheesing like you've never been happier in your entire lives. And I just I'm just imagining the three of you guys sitting there in the hotel room right now, just like that. You know that, that's that's amazing because uh, as we sit here. In 2022, we've, we've added so many other talented people to our lineup who are now doing, uh, separate TV broadcasts on ESPN Plus. Uh, the Missouri Valley Conference requires that and we're glad to provide it. Uh, but we've added uh, Jeff Bidwell and Todd Hamilton and Dave Routon as play-by-play people. And, uh, we've added, uh, Rob Cross and Mark Rosansky. And soon to be Coach Berlin Brower doing some games. And my, my vision is for all of those, uh, talented people to be, uh, uh, interchangeable. Except for Jeremy Rose and Neil Bradley. They're gonna always do radio. Cause they're the voices of the racers on radio. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's amazing. That was in 2014, right? When all yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, October 17th, 2014. We are just past the month anniversary. Let's see, that was that's eight years ago, uh, and, and it's I, crazy. It's crazy I, to think just how much has passed and how much has happened in that eight eight years. Oh time. yeah. Well, I can't I can't uh, forget Josh McKeel too because he's been doing football with us for about as long uh, as well. So um, you know, and I and we're still looking for uh, some former racers that could uh, come on the TV broadcast next fall. And, uh, you know, be that expert analyst to spot. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. It's fun doing the TV and the radio separately. I think it's helped, uh, Neil because he really did have to sacrifice a little bit to do TV and radio at the same time. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. 
as well as uh, Kenny and other people that were trying to do color. Um, Brandon Story, our, our director, uh, made that all look and sound uh, pretty darn good considering yeah. you had a crew doing both mm-hmm. uh, both things. And now we've got it separate. So now our radio broadcast is better and our TV broadcast is better as well. Kenny, I want to bring you back into this for just a second. Neil has always painted a beautiful picture. I've listened to Racer Basketball now for about 15 years, off and on the radio, of course, covered some myself. But in that time, there have been good color commentators. But as an as a former assistant basketball coach, uh, particularly of Murray State men's basketball and other experiences, what has it been like for you to bring in the experience of actually being on the floor. I, me personally, I have never played a lick of successful basketball in my life. You've not only played it, but you've also coached it. What is it like to bring that into the broadcast and, and just maybe some pointers on how you do that? What was, uh, what was so, um, eye-opening to me was to see the amount of work that Neil does in preparation for the games. And so that has uh, quickly, he taught me, you know, about that. And just like anything, the the more prepared you are, the better that you're going to perform. And so that that has helped me. And then Neil is. Uh, I remember our first broadcast. I was watching Neil's mouth almost when, you know, I thought I was supposed to talk because it, because I wasn't sure, you know, when to get in and when to get out. And and now it's uh it, it's so easy for us is that we know just uh, from experience and by our voice when one of us is going to stop talking and the other one needs to to start talking and so um it's it's just it's so much fun for for me getting to work with Neil just because I am so comfortable with him and he does such a great job of painting the picture for our listeners so that they're actually able to view through their ears what's happening. And and that is amazing to me how he articulates every, you know, bounce of the ball uh so that our listeners can can understand what is you know what is happening real time. And then for me the the easier part is to be able to talk about what's already happened. And so, um, you know, I, I try to, to jump in and, and, um, and, you know, describe what happened and why. And then, um, you know, hopefully the, the, my background in coaching helps give me a foundation there. Um, and, and I tell you, Dave arms us with so much information that if we're willing to take the time to, you know, to study it, then we're able to pass along some amazing tidbits to the listeners that uh, make us sound like we're really smart, yeah. and and uh, and that's just not the case. And uh, so it's uh, I, I think it's um, it's it's a lot of fun for me. It keeps me around the game, um, you know, without having to coach it and have twenty-year-old young men decide my fate of how I'm going to make a living. Right. And and the, the, our coaches are so open and and allow me um, to you know to sit in um, their meetings when they're watching film and so that I can have an idea of what we're trying to do 
uh, as a team. And so it's, uh, it's a great teamwork, you know, from, from Dave setting the stage and then obviously, um, what, what Neil does, uh, you know, and then when I, I jump in and add a little bit. And so it's, uh, it's, it's been a whole lot of fun for me. Well, I mean, you take a look at the amount of experience the three of you guys have combined. I mean, I mean, I, this is where I would get the double 11s from Neil Bradley, and that's okay. I've earned them in every single podcast that we've done, and it's it's more than 70 now since we've brought this over. Um, I get the I earn the double 11s because I always say something like, "I was born in 1985," and I know that all three of you guys have a lot of years uh, on top of that. But if you really think about it. I mean this in all sincerity. There's a century of history between the three of you guys. The amount of experience that you bring to the table crests a hundred years, uh, just over the last three and a half decades. And that's, that's pretty remarkable when you think about it. I mean, you, all three of you guys may be like shooting bullets through the phone right now telling me to shut up, but it's serious. Like the, the hundred years of experience really matters when you're trying to put on a production and that's to create Murray State men's basketball for the person who maybe can't be there or is there and just happens to have an earbud in their piece. So there's, there's a difference that transcends the television that transcends the radio. Uh, and that's really important for even people like me who, you know, used to have to do this on a daily basis. Uh, Neil, I want to bring you in for a split second here. What is one of your favorite memories with you and Kenny? Obviously you have more to build as you go into the Missouri Valley. There's more calls to be made. Good news, bad news, heartbreaks, uh, jubilation. What's a favorite memory that you have so far with Kenny as your color commentator? He's just so good at what he does, and uh, it's I think taking the radio broadcast to a different level. Previously, and this is no offense to anyone, I had tremendous people that I worked with, but they were play-by-play guys who had to do color because that's all we could have, and they did as as great as they could. But Kenny brings all the elements because he's a former coach, former administrator. He's recruited. He's uh, seen the heartbreak of recruiting, how things go great, how things don't go great. He knows the stories, the ins and outs, how uh, when you're trying to schedule, people will lie to your face. No, no, we're, we're all filled up. And then 24 hours later, find out they're trying to schedule a game somewhere else because they sure. don't want things to. Things of that sort. But he's been in locker rooms when things are going great. He's been in locker rooms when clipboards are broken. And those are experiences. Think of all the basketball games I've done, and I've never seen any of that, Ed. It's an experience that he brings, plus the hard work and the preparation that comes in uh, is amazing. As far as a, 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 any sort of a certain memory, I don't know that I have anything that stands out. Kenny is excellent game in and game out. If you're playing Lindsey Wilson or if you're playing Marquette in the NCAA tournament, you get the same preparation, the same production. Uh, he kind of knows what's supposed to go on. And uh, if it's not going the way it's supposed to be going, you'll let us know. Uh, uh, my 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 favorite memory, as far as a chuckle memory, I think was his first road game. <laughs> at the CFSB Center, we have cup holders. We set a cup in it, and uh, it holds it. At uh, Middle Tennessee, it's a hole. And Kenny had his can of drink and dropped it through there. And uh, he <laughs> was really embarrassed by it. It's like, dude. I mean, we had fun with it, but uh, that's it. I mean, that's the only thing Kenny's ever done. Otherwise, it's like he got his mistake out day one, and he's been perfect ever since. It's been amazing. Two minutes before tip-off, <laughs> and and the full Diet Mountain Dew hits the, the floor of the 
Murphy Center. Murphy Center. Yeah. And spews all over our bags, all over, you know, what, what, uh, equipment was in the floor there. And yeah, I was down there trying to clean up and yeah, I was, I was like, okay, this is starting <laughs> off really well. But that is uh, phenomenal. Go ahead. 2016 and 17, I, I had some health issues and if it wasn't for Kenny helping and carry the equipment, I was limited to carrying like 10 pounds of stuff. Uh, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to do the games that year, uh, because, uh, the doctor wouldn't have permitted me. But uh, he went above and beyond helping me with equipment, packing stuff up, things of that sort. And I know we couldn't have a good time, but, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that because without that help, I would have had to let someone else do the game, especially the road games. And, and see, that that has uh, parlayed Kenny into another <laughs> career as Neil's butler. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let what? my man. Uh, well, and the funny part about it is too, I would say, and this is no disrespect to anybody, but I'd say, of, I'd say of the three of you guys, Kenny probably dresses the part. I mean, the, I mean, the, the hairs combed, the neatly shaven beard, the glasses. I mean, the tie, the jacket. Yeah, the butler. I'll allow that. Kenny is is the butler. I love that. That's a great nickname, Kenny. If you were like playing like street ball, I would probably just be like, I'll take the butler. Right there, like if you were leaned up on a chain link fence and I was picking my teens, I'd be like, yeah. I'll take, I'll take the butler, and then we'd win because yeah, you'd clean up all the business. That's absolutely oh. phenomenal. Kenny has all the girlfriend stories from years ago, you know. Sure. Before he married, I don't have all I have is you know going up, uh, and before I even get to him, they just go no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Never even got to ask. Hey, would you? No, no, just go back to your seat, dude. So, we. Uh, so- <laughs> That's that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so let's get to the. We've got so many different things that we can. Yeah. I'll use some pretty words here that we can pontificate on, that we can extrapolate, uh, <laughs> that we can you know enumerate. Pick a pick a word there, whatever we want to talk about. But the brass tacks, you guys are on a tie line right now because you're in uh, Myrtle Beach. You're near Myrtle Beach. You're at Coastal Carolina. Uh, I would love some insight from all three of you guys, and, you know, and we can get as nitty gritty as we want here. But what are you expecting to see out of Murray State men's basketball this week? Uh, and we can start with Dave and work our way around here. But, you know, clearly we've seen two different types of Murray State men's basketball in these first really, you know, two and a half, three games. Uh, an exhibition game, where, which the racers, you know, took care of business. A tough road game against a top 30 St. Louis team and, and a Yuri Collins type point guard who's one of the best in the country, maybe the best in the country. And then obviously your only NAIA game this year against Lindsey Wilson. Let's start with you, Dave. Where, where do you see Murray State men's basketball taking the step this week when you open up tomorrow against Texas A&M, who's ranked 24th in the country right now? It is interesting because you want to win games right now, and uh, Steve Prohm is not into moral victories. None of us are. So, what do you what do you do when uh, when you do take some losses? And this team will take some lumps this year with uh, twelve new players and the new league and the whole bit, and a very demanding non conference schedule. We're, we're playing some really good teams. Um, I just want to see this week, I want to see improvement. I want to see longer periods of time where they're really doing some things well, where you have a good segment of five to eight minutes, where you win that segment of the game, whether you lose the game or not, or win it. 
just ready to see these guys have something click for them. And it will happen. We'll, we'll look back at the end of the season and we'll, we'll think of a game or a half or a moment to where this team really came together. I just see them developing a better chemistry as, as each and every day goes. We were at practice this afternoon at a rec center here in Myrtle Beach and the, the amount of uh, detail teaching that's going on with our coaching staff and, co- and head coach Steve Prome. It's, it's really amazing because they are, they are really taking a methodical approach to getting these guys to understand what we want to do and how we want to do it. So, um, you know, in all my years at Murray State, whenever we have a game, it's like the next chapter in a long book. And each season is its own chapter. And we played two chapters already. We got another chapter uh, tomorrow and the next day and then take the day off and then Sunday. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens next. Uh, before I shift to uh, Neil and Kenny, I do want to mention this. Dave, you brought up a great point, and I wanted to look it up really quick. That's why you hear the quick ping, ping, ping of my laptop. I, I love to just include those noises into my podcast anyways because some of this stuff we're trying to come up with, and we think of it right away, and so Neil and I search for it. We'll even take a moment maybe to even search on our phones. Oh, but, but, uh, but, yeah, absolutely. I digress here. But I wanted to mention on Ken Palm, and I know it's way too early for Ken Palm to have reached the median, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, numbers that have to sort themselves out as the season goes along. But as Murray State's schedule sits right now, uh, Ken Palm, Murray State men's basketball's non-conference strength of schedule adjusted is 14th strongest in the country. Uh, and that's because as of right now, and cl- this is including the teams that you will be facing, right now it looks like you'll face the toughest opposing offense. It's, it's fifth in the country at 114 points per 100 possessions uh, and a top 53 def- top, top, top 50 defense. Your opposing defenses are going to average giving up 93 points per 100 possessions. So that, that counterbalance, you're 14th in non-conference strength of schedule. And that's, you, I mean, again, that'll even out as time goes along. Um, you've got a couple of home games that you hope can, can, can bring in a victory. Obviously, the team should improve as, as the season goes along and you snag a win that you didn't think you were going to get or take a loss that maybe you didn't expect. Um, but when you have that adjusted strength of schedule um, with this many new play, you know, uh, faces and people and, and everything all together and the new system and guys getting to know each other, it, it can't be harped on enough because, you know, I'm looking at minutes right now. You know, I go look at box scores, and I'm trying to figure out, well, who's playing the most minutes? Well, I don't even know if that matters because, you know, four months from now, it may not be the same guys playing the same amount of minutes. So, um, Kenny, maybe you can parlay on that a little bit. What have you seen so far, both from your the cerebral part of the game, where you as a former assistant coach and an, and an, and an athletic director, what are you seeing from the racers in these first 240 minutes? or so of basketball, and, and what do you expect to see this week um, against this tough slate in Myrtle Beach? I think uh, what's so difficult as, as a coach is to um, get your players to understand how hard you have to play and how you have to sustain that. Um, and I, I always, at the end of the game, 
will look at, okay, which team played the hardest? And 80% of the time, if not higher, that team won the game. And so, you know, so many times I think coaches, you know, can stand up at a chalkboard and they can dazzle you with their ability to, to, to describe X and O's and, and what all they're going to do on both ends of the floor. But if you can't get your players to play harder than the players that you're playing against, um, none of that is has any value. And so I think that is what is job one right now for, for Coach Prome and his staff is to get this team to understand how hard you have to play. And they saw that firsthand at St. Louis, and they're going to see it tomorrow even more than they saw it at St. Louis because this group at Texas A&M takes pride in, in being gritty and tough um, with a little nastiness on the defensive end, and they want to punk you out. They they want to to take your manhood away on the defensive end of the floor, and and so if you if you can't match that or even come close to matching it, then it can be a, a very long day for the racers tomorrow. I, I don't think it will be. I think we we have um, a group of individuals that that you know at different parts in their careers uh, have have played that way where they face that. Um, but then there's a lot that haven't seen that at all and really haven't understood yet, you know, how to sustain, um, you know, playing hard for the duration of the game. And so I think that that is what Coach Prome is, is most concerned about every day is getting guys to understand the importance of tomorrow's walkthrough. Um, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, the racers will have a walkthrough that is not, walkthrough is not the right word because it's a taped up, you're going hard, you're breaking a sweat, you're crisp in your cuts, everything is full speed and you're, you're trying to mentally get ready to, to play four hours later, five hours later. And even the walkthrough ha- has had to be coached by this team to get the team to understand uh how you go about that and so uh you know those are things that haven't had to to really be taught in the program for a decade because the older players laid the foundation for that and when you have a complete new group um you know players are still trying to decide who can lead and who can follow and and all that's getting sorted out right in front of us. But you have three games in four days against teams that, you know, we could, we. I really believe there's a there's an opportunity to walk away with two out of three wins, uh, maybe maybe more. But I think I think you could win two out of three, but you could easily go over three. And I think you know it, 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 in our in our room here, if we played really hard and competed. All three of those games, you know, for 40 minutes, but lost. I, I I would feel good coming out of this tournament that we've gotten better because these are all quality teams that you might play really well and not be able to win. And so that's I think that's concerning for for Coach Prome is he really wants the team to see some benefit of their hard work too. And uh, that may happen here or it might not.
Just to attest to that, uh, as you were talking about that, had a quick chance to look at Texas A&M. Again, Ken Palm, I love Ken Palm's numbers. I feel like they're fair, they're balanced. I know you and Neil use a number of different resources, Ken Palm being just one of them, to determine mathematically how some opponents should stack up against the racers. Texas A&M 2-0 to start their season, and, and certainly somebody can go into kind of what you're looking at from their roster, and, and I've got their roster pulled up right here, but they're, they're 17th. Uh, in adjusted defense per 100 possessions. They yield 89.7 points per 100 possessions uh, in their first two games, and that's likely to continue to be a calling card for them, just as you said, Kenny. Um, Neil, really quick, and, and, and certainly want you to expand on this as much as you would like as well, what do you expect to see this week, and what have you seen thus far uh, in, in an exhibition game, a tough St. Louis team, and Lindsey Wilson this past Saturday? Tough to gauge, uh, to me, between those two games because, uh, the racers, they have some, they have some good minutes at St. Louis. To me, about seven bad minutes of the 40. And I mean bad. Uh, you know, giving up a couple of easy layups after scoring. Uh, and I think Steve would pretty much tell you the same thing. And sure. it's very gauge against Lindy Wilson, a variety of lineups. They did what they were supposed to do. This is the real test this week. It's against good competition. Yeah, three out of four days. Uh, you play the best team in the in the tournament, likely first of the seven that are here with Murray State. Uh, you're going to get a good defensive test, and then uh, Colorado. Which which Colorado team will you see? The one that lost to Grambling. If you see them, will you see the one that uh, beat Tennessee? If you end up playing UMass, is that a uh, team that lost a bye game to Townsend? Who, who are you going to see there? I mean, college basketball is very unpredictable. But something that I think Steve and his staff did. Uh, they were faced with a very unenviable task of replacing 12, well, actually 13 players, because DJ yeah. Burns portal too. They had to recruit him, so they got DJ Burns. Uh, he he was recruited, and then had to go get 12 others to join him. And I think they did a tremendous job, a good mix of uh, you know the, keeping the freshmen uh, who were going to stay here, the three, but then adding uh, some really tremendous young talent some really good veterans. It's a good mix, but I think as Kenny and Dave alluded to, this team is still learning. And a lot of, I don't think it's that they're not able to go 100% in practice 100% of the time. They have the wheels turning in their head and trying to think about, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be there. I need to go there on this play. I don't think it's a an intentional thing of not going hard. They're just trying to learn. That chemistry hasn't developed yet. I think it could develop sooner rather than later, but uh, they need a dose of this. This is, a, to me, a well-timed tournament against really good teams, and I believe by the time Sunday night rolls around, we'll know a lot more about this team and what they're going to be capable of once they head into the Missouri Valley Conference. Well, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, you look at the other side of this bracket, guys, and, I mean, I mean, you've got Loyola, you've got Tulsa, you've got Boise, and, I mean, you don't know where you're going to face who or when. You could very well be playing for a championship in Conway, on Sunday afternoon, or you could be playing to make sure you're not going to go 0 and 3, and you're going to try and bring home a victory. And so it's a it's a great point, you know, that all three of you guys have brought up several great points, uh, and it's a lot to think about. I, it's a ton of basketball, I, I think, is the number one thing. And I know that's such a vanilla thing to say, but there are so many different styles of basketball, uh, basketball, you know, uh, sets being played here uh, over the week. Uh, games at different times. I know I'm going to be checking my phone tomorrow uh, while I'm at work 
uh, absolutely am going to be checking and making sure how's the game going and trying to get updates as quickly as possible. And I'm glad WPSD is there. I'm glad Adam Wells is there and, and can provide some, some, some great coverage. I know Dave Winder, you, and, and you guys on the radio, you'll, you'll have great stuff for GoRacers.com. So I'm looking forward to ingesting some of that as we go throughout the weekend. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to turn to as well about Murray State men's basketball while we're on the subject is you had signing day last week and Laurent Rice and John McCreer, uh, both were inked to their national letters of intent. Dave, maybe just walk us a little bit through that process. What is it like for you as an SID to collect all of this information, put it all together and, and get that hope and anticipation of just staying in the moment for this season, but also looking at what Steve and his staff or any former men's basketball coach brings in when it comes to signing day? Well, I, I over the years, I, I try to not, I try not to get my uh, hopes up too much because when you think about it, the signing day release that we put out, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you put out all the great things they've done in high school and uh, you, you have great hopes that they're going to be, uh, great here. I remember, uh, you know, putting out the release on Tevin Brown and KJ Williams, uh, back in the day. And I thought, you know, these, these two guys have got a chance to be pretty good. Right. Uh, so I try not to cast any, uh, expectations on the signees because it, it is a, it's a thing that, uh, it takes a tremendous amount of commitment and hard work for a player to come out of high school. I don't care who you are. You just don't have, campaign and John Morant just show up every year. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, so, you know, John McCreer coming in, he reminds me a little bit of our current, uh, really tall, thin guy from Gulf, uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. Right. Dan Burke. Uh, I think John McCreer's got the, you, you get those two guys, let's say those two guys in two years are, uh, been in our program, uh, in weight training and teaching and learning and, and maturing. You could have we could have a twin tower situation in Murray State with with Sam and John. Uh, he's up in Woodford County, uh, Lexington, and uh, you know he's on a great team, and uh, hopefully he'll do very well in a senior season. And then I remember uh, hearing about Laurent Rice in the summer uh, or the early fall, and um, you know he's a, a highly sought after guard that could have gone a lot of places, and right. he chose Murray State, so. Um, you know, you, you, you look at thing is nowadays you can just go on YouTube and look at highlights of players that we've signed and you, you go, okay, you could kind of start kind of, uh, thinking about what could be if they, if they come here and work hard and, and, uh, have success. So, um, um, my, one of my favorite things about signing day is getting, getting to talk to their coach, uh, their high school coach. And, um, I always try to thank them too for, uh, you know, doing such a great job with them, and they're they're kind of handing that player off to us to take mm-hmm. it from there and mature them and uh, grow them up and and try to develop it in them and uh, so that they're maxing out their talent. So I always enjoy that that phone call with the with the coach, uh, uh, John McCreer. He's coached by uh, Jaron Brown up in um, uh, Woodford County, uh, and then um, Laurent Rice. His coach is uh, Nate Martindale at Wayne High School up in uh, the Dayton area, Huber Heights. So, um, and I did notice today they released the king of the bluegrass pairings, Woodford County's playing in that. So, are they? Yep. Yeah. 
can't you compete. Sure are. And that's the other thing you got to realize when, when they when they sign, they're not they're not even the they're not even the finished high school product yet. They've got a whole other season to get better and and uh, to mature before we even get them next summer. So uh, I always think it's pretty cool in the spring. You know, you you hear our coaches talking about so and so. I'm going up to watch this playoff game. Going to go watch this state tournament game. Uh, Jackson Edwards did really well at Cathedral up in Indianapolis. They won the championship there at the same place we played at the NCAA. So it's pretty cool in the spring seeing these guys uh, have a great senior season. That's what you want for them. Kenny, I want to tag you in here because you've actually, you know, been on the recruiting trail before. You've experienced this. You know what it means. How much has recruiting changed? Uh, and I know it's such a blase question, but I, I know you can kind of, you can illuminate what this actually is, but how much has recruiting changed in the last 15 to 20 years? Because, you know, I don't even want to put my mind wrapped around what scholarship mathematics looks like nowadays with, you know, the transfer portal and, and guys looking for different options and, you know, staying in one place to lily pad somewhere else and so on and so forth. So maybe take all the time you need because I know it's a lot, but just can you walk us through what it's like for not only Prome and his staff to rebuild this roster scholarship-wise, but then to go out and sign two new guys for next year. How does that work uh, in the grand scheme of things now? I think what has changed uh, drastically in the last 20 years in, in college basketball recruiting is um, for years and, and decades, um, the high school coach was the gatekeeper for for the players. And so it was a must to develop a, a relationship with the high school coach and and then you got to the family and to the player and and those were really the three groups, you know, that you worked, the high school coach and the and the family and um you know, maybe the girlfriend uh gets in there too, but um now it's it's I mean it's eighty percent of the AU program. And um Players are going to, to multiple high schools uh, in their career, and so it's it's really changed on the relationship building uh, is with these AAU programs and and some of them, um, you know, being able to to have access to players through the AAU coaches in the summertime. Um, and at what what Coach Prom and his staff did is it, it to me is just unbelievable of having to. You know, it'd be one thing to say that, okay, next year we're going to lose 12 players and we've got a year to replace them. But they had six weeks basically to, to recruit 12 new players. And so you had to identify them. Um, and you know, one of the things Coach Prone kept talking about was not to, to be rushed and to make sure that they took time to, to know the character of the player, to see if they were going to fit into Murray State, and then also to know, you know, if they were capable of playing at this level. And and so in such a short period of time and, and really limited physical access to watching them play during that time, they relied on, on a ton of film um, and recruited via Zoom. Uh, they would have multiple Zoom calls scheduled throughout the day they might have a visit going uh you know with a player on campus and 
you know, the player goes back to their hotel room for a couple hours and they have a, a Zoom schedule during that time. And so they were, they were working literally around the clock to try to fill out this roster. And so when I watch the team now and, and that comes to mind, it just amazes me more and more of the job they did and the quality that they did in recruiting these players because when I look at this group, there, there's not anyone that stands out to me that they can't play at this level. And we haven't had a team like that in a long time where there, where there wasn't, you know, two to three, maybe four players that, that quickly, once you watch them play, you, you realize that probably long term, they weren't going to be able to play at this level and they might play here one season or two. But they were going to eventually be moving on, and so I think the the quality uh, that they were able to, you know, to to get is amazing, uh, and his his staff is uh, it, it deserves so much credit. Um, now the difficult piece for them is to, you know, lay the foundation of how he wants, you know, Coach Pro wants the program to to operate every day. And that that's the that's the biggest you know hurdle right now is is for him to understand the process of getting better and how hard you have to work and the the importance of attention to detail and every drill and being on time for every meeting and being prepared when when the scouting reports handed out so that you understand it all those little things that add up to whether or not you can compete with a Texas A&M on the floor. Uh, and so that's that's the challenge for, for the coaching staff right now. Neil, maybe walk us through, and again, it's it's something that it's early, and Kenny, I'd love your thoughts, and maybe even in Dave, all three, uh, obviously, uh, would love your thoughts. Uh, we've all had eyes on the racers now in these first few minutes. Uh, maybe who has in your mind, uh, stepped forward as a possible candidate to maybe steal some minutes off of the bench. I know that, again, it's super early, and, and this is a big week for that. But, you know, there's analysis. You take a look at where the minutes stand right now, and you see a guy like Sam Murray getting minutes off the bench, Justin Morgan getting minutes off the bench, Braxton Stacker getting minutes off the bench, you know, Brian Moore, you know, playing quite a bit off the bench. Um who do you see maybe taking a leap this week just on what you've seen so far? I think, in my opinion, that's going to be Brian Moore uh, based on what I've seen in the first couple of games. He's a guy that will get more minutes, and because you're playing three games in a matter of four days, I think his minutes will uh, really start to shine. Uh, I like what Murray brings, and uh, you know Morgan looked really good making his first two shots, but uh, those players will stay on the floor as long as they – are not major liabilities on defense. Once that happens, they'll be on the bench and someone else will have to come in uh, because it's going to have to be emphasized, especially in the first game uh, against Texas A&M. If they're not defending, they're not going to be able to play. Uh, I, I remember, a, remember a Matt McMahon quote last season. Uh, he said, if, if someone isn't willing to play defense, you're not playing tonight. And that's kind of what you're, I think they're going to be into tomorrow. If you're not, you've got to be able to play, match the intensity. And if you can't, we're going to have, to have somebody else in there. But, uh, I, I like the, what I see from the freshman, but I think Brian Moore 
that's my guy to watch. Kenny, I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, I think Neil, you're you're right on target about the physicality of the game tomorrow, and and it's going to be difficult for uh, Sam Murray to be able to come in and compete with those grown men that that, that the racers are going to play tomorrow. Uh, I think Quincy Anderson, you know, is is a guy. Uh, I, I like Brian Moore too, and and he is getting more comfortable every day, and we're going to see his minutes uh, increase. And he he brings what he brings to the team that I like is when he comes in the game, the tempo changes, uh, and he is able to push the basketball and get paint touches off the dribble, and then be able to distribute out to the three point line, which will you know which will make the racers uh, much better. Uh, so I, I think Brian Moore, but I, I really am, am liking Quincy Anderson's game more and more because he does uh, a lot of things. Um, you know, he gets a B in a lot of areas. He, he may not be the best shooter, but he's a good enough shooter. He may not be as quick with as Brian Moore with the ball in his hands, but he can he can drive it uh, defensively. You know, he plays harder than any of the perimeter defenders I think that we have. Right. Uh, really gives it, gives great effort. And he's a guy that understands how hard you have to play. I was watching him in the, in the shoot around last week and just his cuts to the basket, five on zero going through offensive, you know, sets. He, he is, he competes like it's, like it's a game. So I think, I think those two, um, and, and I really, I really think tomorrow the bench is going to be pretty short. Uh, I, I would be surprised that that Coach Prome goes too deep, too deep tomorrow uh, in his bench. Now I think Friday and Sunday is when you're going to see, you know, more minutes being spread out. But but tomorrow with the intensity of that game, that's that's not going to be a game that you can afford to experiment with someone that you're a little unsure about playing at that level of competition. No, absolutely. I, I certainly I certainly have great insight and, and certainly expect to see just exactly what you guys have said. Dave, I want to pivot to you, man, as we move through Murray State men's basketball and kind of how these first few moments have gone. Obviously, let's, let's look back a little bit at how this past weekend went. And uh, you said that you really had some special things to say about the Murray State Hall of Fame uh, and how those events went on Friday and Saturday. Walk us through uh, what it's like to enshrine someone into Murray State's Hall of Fame and maybe just some of your biggest takeaways. Uh, and Neil and Kenny, too, obviously, as you guys got to visit with some of the Hall of Famers here. Uh, what, what was it like for you guys to embrace the Hall of Fame class that went in this past weekend? Let me go through the class first so everyone listening will understand uh, what the class of eight, how it was made up. We, we started with the two... Uh, great Murray State football players, Reggie Swinton and Mike Cherry. One without the other probably wouldn't have happened. So as a committee, we really felt like these two uh, great players from Houston Nuts score years in the mid-90s would go in together, and that was really cool. Uh, Michelle winning in Murray State women's basketball, late 80s, early 90s, still one of the greatest players ever to play. Paul King is a guy who has his jersey retired, and he was a – thousand point guy and the first racer to win four regular season championships. Uh, Melissa Spencer of women's tennis was a dominant player in the early 2000s for Connie Kiesling. Jessica Twaddle was the youngster of the group, but she kind of played that up this weekend 
and enjoyed it as she is a first ballot a Hall of Famer out of Murray State softball. Diane Woodside of women's track and field. Uh, same uh, time period as Michelle winning, late 80s. Uh, actually, Michelle and Diane uh, were freshmen my senior year. I remember them doing very, very well. And then uh, Miss Cheryl Whitaker, who's the longtime athletics administrator and uh, administrative assistant for men's basketball under six different head coaches. She she went in, and it was just an incredible night. We had almost 250 people at the banquet at the CFSB Center, and six of the eight inductees had their children introduce them, which was really special. And the the more I do this, the more it's just uh, it's my favorite part of my job at Murray State. And in a lot of ways, I think it's the most important because preserving and honoring our past is so very, very important. Uh, so it was really cool. That was the 40th class to be inducted in the Murray State Hall of Fame. We have put in 34 inductees in the last five years now. And it all started under Athletics Director Coach Roy Stewart back in 1965. And that first class was Harlan Brody from football who had played from 1927 to 1930. Joe Folks from basketball, who was uh, pre-World War II and actually was a veteran of World War II. And Marshall Gage from track and field. And John Pallas from tennis. That was your first class in 1965. So this was pretty cool. And uh, it's a lot of work. It's a year-round thing now, just keeping up with the class and making sure uh, everything's good with their travel, and I always say if we could just get them all in the room at the same time, the magic will happen. Dave, talk a little bit about Coach Nutt's involvement. Oh, the guy from the blind side was uh, <laughs> yeah, that, a little guy. There. that guy. Yeah, that's what D, D says. Yeah, oh, the guy, guy from the blind side, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, obviously, Houston, Houston uh, recruited Reggie Swinton out of Little Rock, and he recruited Mike Cherry out of Texarkana, Arkansas, so... Uh, I had the privilege of calling Coach Nutt and telling him that Reggie and Mike were going to be Hall of Famers. And uh, he's just so – he just loves his guys as much today as he ever did. And uh, so over the summer, it was like, hey, you think you can make it? Well, it might be hard because he's doing uh, stuff from New York City on the the uh, the, the set of CBS uh, College Football. So he called a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I can't uh, – I can't get away. And then I said, well, I said, can you maybe cut us a video from your set in C- at CBS? He goes, you betcha, Dave. <laughs> so his video was uh, four minutes, and it will make you absolutely want to play for him and run through a brick wall for Coach Knight. Uh, what he said about Reggie, uh, the recruitment of Reggie, and then Mike, uh, and just their families, and uh, and then he mentioned – uh, Cheryl Whitaker and, and some others in the athletics department that have, that were really uh, uh, important to him, uh, staff people, you know. Uh, so anyway, it was a great video, and we played that. I saved Reggie and Mike's induction for the very last, and uh, and then Coach Nutt's video. So it was it was really really cool, and I try really hard um, when we uh, when we when the class finds out from the athletic directors that they're in. I come back in with a group text, and all summer, uh, spring and summer, it was uh, just texting back and forth. So um, all these people who came from, from different teams in different eras, they're texting back and forth sometimes, and I'm not even involved in the conversation. And 
So to get them all together in the Hall of Champions around 4.30 on Friday, I have to really try hard to keep my emotions in check because it's such a big moment. And then I, uh, it's already happened by the time they're there. Some camaraderie has developed already between this class because I told them, you will forever be together as that class for 2022. And uh, so then we're down there taking pictures and just having fun and, you know, it was uh, it was really good, and I got them to do a, a little video for Twitter. And we're at the very end; they all went "Go Racers!" And then at the at the after halftime of the basketball game on Saturday night, uh, I was like, uh, "Hey, somebody get us a break here!" And we all put our hands uh-huh. in, and we're like, "One, two, Racer family on three. One, two, three, family!" And then they all went back to their seats with their families, and when the game was over, they all back to the hotel, and then Sunday everybody's going home. So. It's it's pretty cool, and we'll very soon with the committee uh, start in on the class of 2023. Very soon. Uh, I like Neil's point that he makes, talking about um, the weekend of the Hall of Fame, and that you you very there's very little of the of the actual playing time and stories told on that, and it's more about their love for Murray State and. For how the community embraced them and, and for how some specific teacher took care of them or how Cheryl Whitaker would bring chicken noodle soup to the dorm when you had a cold. And, and those, those stories is that Neil points out, I, I think he's exactly right is makes it the most fascinating part to me. Yeah. Neil, you, you can speak to that. Uh, there were times during the banquet you just had tears in your eyes. It was so heartfelt. <laughs> uh, Yes, there was this year, but the my biggest cry was the uh, Danny Lee Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of some of some of what he said difficult to hear, but oh my, yeah. that that is the most heart wrenching but inspiring Hall of Fame speech I've ever heard at any level in any sport. It was fantastic, and that's the kind of moment you can get at a Hall of Fame. And, and see, I'm the lucky one because I've become very good friends with a lot of these people. Yeah. Uh, including Danny Lee. And matter of fact, anytime we're up in Evansville, we always go try to go hit breakfast at this little hole in the wall that he knows yeah. in Evansville and try to try to get some breakfast and, and catch up. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Danny Lee is, is probably the Hall of Famer that I know that's probably overcome the most, uh, even just to get to East Prairie, Missouri High School and, and play football mm-hmm. because his high school coach. And his family that basically adopted him, and he lived with him. Yeah, he had no place to go. And then to to wind up with uh, Coach Ferguson at Murray State, uh, Danny Lee was uh, gonna visit Missouri, and he came to visit Murray State. And before his Missouri trip, he called Coach Ferguson and said, "It just feels right." As a matter of fact, Danny Lee, after he visited, before he made his decision, he came back over to watch a game on his own. He just sat in the stands. Oh. And that was the day he realized I got to come here because he said he wanted to see what you know. Hey, oh, Mr. Recruit, glad to have you. Yeah, I want to see how Murray treats me when they don't know I'm the recruit. When I just sit there as yeah. a fan, he said treated me the same. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And then Danny Lee, um, if you look in the Hall of Fame uh, on GoRacers.com, uh, he has the the name Stout on there because he felt so strongly. Just like his, the family that took him in in East Prairie, the family of Dick Stout basically adopted Danny Lee when he wow. came here. So I wish Dick could have 
been there a yeah. couple of years ago to see Danny Lee go into yeah. the Hall of Fame. Um, and, and then Danny went on to a 30-plus year career as a firefighter in, the, in Evansville City. Uh, who, who knows all the good he did there mm-hmm. over over 30-plus years. And uh, he says even now, um, every once in a while, one of the trucks, if they're out from his uh, company, I guess, his station, they'll drive by his house and just honk. A lot of those guys know him. They'll just drive by, whether he's out there or not, just drive by and honk, honk. I, I, you know. I, I thought what was uh, what was neat to tell you how important the Hall of Fame in Murray State is uh, to Coach Nutt and, and those two players was that he called me Saturday morning early, uh, just after 8 o'clock. I, I looked my phone ring in and, 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 and Houston immediately, hey, you're not, you're not in bed, are you? And I said, no, I'm awake. And he said, tell me all about it. I, I want to hear every story. <laughs> I want to know what the guy said. And he, he was so invested in those two players. Uh, and then also being a Hall of Fame member himself mm-hmm. that, that he wanted to know you know how how the whole night went, it, and even more about not just his two players, but the but the other inductees. And uh, I, I just to me that just says so much about him and how fond he is of of his time at Murray State. It's just incredible uh, this little school in West Kentucky. Just uh, the people that it's turned out uh, over the years. Uh, all great athletes, yes, but even even better people. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, I, I just can't thank our committee uh, enough for the hard work that they do. Uh, I think we uh, have a very good rhythm now of a yearly thing, so we'll probably – usually I kind of give it till after Christmas, and then we'll start kind of talking. If you notice over the years in the Hall of Fame, uh, we have increased our class size here in the last five years because we felt going to an annual thing – we really needed to catch up with some people that probably should have gone in before, but because Murray, the way the Hall of Fame was set up from 1965, it was every other year. And early on, that was probably the right decision because when the Hall of Fame started in 1965, the OVC wasn't even 20 years old. Right. Then. So, um, so um, you know, we'll start in on the next class, and like you've seen before, let's say uh, we have a softball player, Jessica Twaddle, that just went in. We probably won't follow that up next year with another softball. Like next right. year, it might be baseball, or it might be a golf, um, or a wi- another women's basketball, or mm-hmm. you know what, what have you. So, kind of spread it around because we've got a database, and we got a. Uh, a we can't measure uh, apples and oranges, but you can me- measure all the apples in a certain sport and kind of see who uh, who you should be considering. I love it. I just wanted to leave the microphone wide open there. That might be the longest I've ever gone without saying we, we a kind word. Of, uh, well, we kind of just took it over there, didn't we? No, I loved it. And it was like a fireside chat. I felt like I was like sifting through like a an adult beverage. I don't. I have a hot tea with me at the moment, but I felt like if I'd had like a glass of bourbon, maybe, and like a warm fire, that would have just been, and maybe a s'more or a cigar, and I would have been able to take in this like this history that is Murray State Athletics. And you, you made a great point, all three of you. It, it churns out uh, every Hall of Fame, and I know other colleges experience this, experience this as, as well, but at a small college like Murray State University, home of 10,000 annually trying to you know, m- you know, make the next chapter in their lives, there are student athletes, men and women, who have to 
find their way and not everybody finds their way the same way. Um, and then when they experience, you know, success at Murray State and make their team better, you take a look at the people that you usually induct in your Hall of Fame, especially for Murray State. They, they made their teams better. Uh, or even if they were individual athletes for like golf or something like that, they still made their team better. They made their, they made their, the lives around each other better. And they're continuing to make lives better once they graduate from Murray State University. So I know that that's a bit of homerism there. But as a racer graduate myself, I understand if you're a Hall of Famer, you've done a lot of good both at the college level and in your professional and personal lives. And so I think that that's certainly worth mentioning. So I just, I, again, I just felt like we needed to light a campfire there and, and tell the good old story. So I wanted to hear you guys do that. Um, uh, amazing how all these people just believe it. Once a racer, always a racer, you know. They just, uh, you know, they, they just, they still follow the school. Uh, uh, take Michelle Winning there. I mean, she's been coaching and teaching 30 plus years in New Washington, Indiana. And, uh, uh, when her players, she's coached volleyball, women's basketball. When her players found out she was going to be a Hall of Famer, they just, they went nuts. <laughs> you know, so a lot of people doing a lot of good things. That's absolutely phenomenal. I do want to jump into a little bit of house cleaning here. Neil and I do try to break down uh, Murray State football. And obviously, you know, we've harped on several different factors of this season, but obviously a, a big-time win on Saturday, speaking of Coach Nutt and, and Murray State football. Um, Murray State was able to score 20 points in the fourth quarter, probably their most successful fourth quarter uh, of this regular, you know, season, and, and moved to 2-8 and eight with a 27-9 win over Robert Morris. Neil, there's a few stats that jump out to me on the box score, but by your eyes, what was the, what did you see, uh, walking away from the field for the final home game, uh, of 2022? I think a lot of, uh, what deserves most of the credit was the defensive domination we saw for four quarters. Uh, Robert Morris able to get, uh, their points basically because of short fields. Uh, one was a block punt, another one, a fumble that led the points. But the defense, I thought, was steady the whole game. We've seen improvement now for three consecutive games defensively, beginning with the Linden with contest. And then uh, the ability to run the football, and this is exactly what Dean Hood football is, play good defense, don't turn it over. And that's something they did do this past weekend, but they were able to survive it uh, right. and be able to run the ball, stop the run. And this is something they were able to do. Back-to-back weeks that they've held the team under 80 yards rushing. And then this past week, uh, they piled up uh, almost 200 rushing yards from a variety of players. You have uh, uh, Devontae Witherspoon, healthy Cortez Jones. He's finally kind of figured out how to run behind his pads. Over the last three weeks, he's been quite productive. Uh, Lucas Malley is coming in in quarterback situations because uh, he gives the racers that run option when he's in at quarterback. And then we finally were able to see uh, Jawan Northington back in the game after uh, missing several weeks because of an injury. So, this is a team that's playing really well defensively, running the football very well, stopping the run, and it was a really good win. And that Robert Morris team, I thought defensively they played terrific. They just kind of ran out of gas. Their offense wasn't uh, really good enough to stay on the field long enough to keep them from being gassed. Once they got to the fourth quarter, the race was able to, to do a really good job running it on them. Well, and one of the things that you and I have mentioned, of course, Eric Samuda leading the team in tackles, but one of the things you and I have talked a lot about is this the younger guys on defense taking that step. This time around, it was Graves County's Cody Goatley, transfer from UK, comes in, gets 10 tackles, five of them solo, two and a half for a loss. One is a sack as well. And then 
you know, another tackle for loss for Cade Schubert. He leads the team in, in that. And, you know, Lawan Powell is really good. And, you know, and Darnell Victor. And, and these are all younger guys. Um, I, I know Victor's older, but it's, it's just the guys that are leading the team in tackles and defensively are some of your younger guys in the locker room. So that was another thing to me, especially seeing Goatley at the top of the tackles list, that really stood out to me. And then you've got old man Daquan Dallas, and, you know, and Lamartez Brooks still getting catches, but another long touchdown for Taylor Shields and another interception for Quinnaz Turner, who's had a terrific defensive season. You know, I know this team is two and eight. I know that certainly things get more difficult moving into the Missouri Valley Football Conference next year, but I'm seeing consistent guys doing the right things. And, and you're exactly right, Neil. The running game has been improving each and every week, not only because of the health of the team and the offensive line, but also just because of consistency. Health certainly has helped with that, and it started at Lindenwood with how well DeMonta Witherspoon ran in his former backyard near St. Louis. So it's uh, it's one of those situations where, it, it, again, 2-8, and eight, obviously really unfortunate, not the message you wanted to send heading out of the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, and I think this is absolutely a great tee-off, Dave Winder, I want you to tee us off here, and, and, and Neil, you walk us through this as well. Give me the setup once again on how you guys are going to broadcast Murray State's final home game of the football season, because clearly you can't be in two places at the same time. <laughs> well, that, that, is, that is true. Um, so maybe uh, before Neil tells you how we're going to do it, um, maybe I could uh, – <clears throat> Uh, just kind of set up why we are remotely broadcasting Murray State football Saturday, 900 miles from where it's being played. Sure, absolutely. Set us up here. <laughs> not online, not that that matters, but it, it is kind of neat that we're going to be at Brooks Stadium uh, here in uh, Conway, Arkansas, at, Myrtle, at uh, Coastal Carolina's home football stadium to do the Murray State at SEMO football game on Saturday. So folks may remember that the the unfortunate uh, uh, part of the thing that SEMO has had to go through is half their stadium got condemned, and they're trying to build it back, but they haven't yet added the press box. So just like last year, even if we would send a, a crew over, say Todd Hamilton and Josh McKeel would go over there, um, they couldn't be in the stadium and see the game with their own eyes on Saturday. They'd have to be at the Rose Theater on the SEMO campus three blocks away. Right. So since we were not playing football or uh, basketball on Saturday, we're playing football, I told Neil, I said, uh, why don't we try to do the game for where we are uh, in, in Myrtle Beach and uh, do the game uh, like we would normally if they were three blocks away. So my colleague, uh, Kevin Davis, has been very helpful at Coastal Carolina and they've got us uh, set up for Saturday. We're going to go to their football stadium. They're going to let us use one of their broadcast booths. And I've got a 32-inch uh, monitor that we're going to pull up the ESPN Plus uh, stream from SEMO. And Neil's got some a crowd noise bed. He's going to pipe in, and we're going to we're going to do the game. Absolutely unbelievable, Neil. I know you and I've talked a little bit about this during our last podcast, but now. We're on the precipice. You guys have these three basketball games. Dave, I know you've got a lot of things going on that you'll be paying attention to throughout this week as you guys navigate through. You've got all these different sports. I mean, again, I know you've got Parker 
uh, and a lot of, you know, team members helping you, but you've got women's basketball, volleyball's playing right now. I uh, know women's soccer just actually ended its regular season and, and post, you know, postseason surge into the championship game before losing to Missouri State. But, but, but Neil, as you get to Saturday, how, how is this happening? How do you make this happen now? Uh, three men's basketball games with Kenny. Uh, heck, Kenny, maybe you can get in and, and talk football at this point, but how, how does Saturday work? How does well, Saturday work with you guys all teamed up here? I, I'm trying to, to understand um, what a pre- precipice I was is looking whatever. at the stars. I, I didn't hear anything I, I, Ed said, actually. Yeah, I, I, well, <laughs> pre- precipice is like the peak. Okay. Yeah, you're on, you're on, the, you're on the precipice. Like, you're on the precipice of Saturday. You're, 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 you're getting to this. It's, it's considered, it's, you're building up. Yes. It's a, it's a cliff. You know, it's, it's a rock a, face. Those who acquired podcasts, the knowledge that is just thrown around. Yeah. Here, I mean, just in buckets, just buckets of knowledge. Well, the, <laughs> as far as the broadcast, Ed, it's, 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 I mean, it's not that hard. It's just like we do them all. We have a piece of equipment. It's a, it's a codec, which has a brand name, Tyline, and we, uh, use the internet and, uh, we'll stream it back to the radio station. Uh, you're not going to notice a lot of difference, like other than piped in crowd noise. Uh, if someone goes for a 50 or 60 yard run, the crowd's still going to be going. So you're not going to notice that. You're not going to hear the PA announcement of personal foul, Southeast Missouri, face mask, 15 yards, first down. You won't hear any of that, and you won't hear the band. So uh, it's, there's just certain things you can do, certain things that we can't do. The only advantage, if we were at Southeast Missouri, they do provide a crowd noise feed from the stadium, so we would have that, but uh, that would be the only advantage. And uh, I talked with uh, EKU, a play-by-play guy, Greg Sotomayor. They had some Internet issues when they were over there a couple of weeks ago. So there's just no need to send a backup crew, and I think we could do just as good a job over here, other than the crowd noise part. No, I, I definitely get it. And you and I, again, you and I eliminated on that and, and talked about that the last time, you know, we were around. But I just, now that we're almost here, it is just absolutely crazy to think that you're going to go, you know, you know, you and Kenny three games in four days, and then you've got football in the middle of that. And then, and then Dave, again, I know you'll have Parker, you know, watching Murray State women's basketball, but they play this Saturday. And so I just, the, when you're on the road and you're trying to navigate a sports department, and Kenny, maybe you can even add to this as well, having been a part of the sports department in a lot of different ways. How do you navigate that? You know, you've got a new athletic director, uh, and so much going on as we approach the Christmas holiday and the Thanksgiving holiday. How, how do you navigate this now heading to the Missouri Valley Conference where there really is a bigger demand? Uh, you've already talked about, you opened the podcast by talking about, you know, just the amount of media that you've had to increase to create the production that exists now. But but how do you get through a week like this when you've got just four straight days of, you know, things going on both at home and on the road? Who's the question for? Is that for Kenny? Uh, hey, it was it was actually yeah. <laughs> it was actually for it was actually for Neil, but all three uh, and Dave, but but all three but all three of you are experiencing it. So maybe I'd love all three of your thoughts here. As usual I'm multitasking. I'm writing two releases here and working on a graphic. So that's exactly uh, what I needed to hear. That you are working on two press releases. That and for me, I just do a game. If the next day comes, I do another game. It, it, I mean, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's <laughs> you have to realize. Do you, do you have any idea what people would pay to be able to do what I get to do? I, you know, people say I got to go to work. I say I get to go to work. 
I get to go watch Murray State play basketball tomorrow. I'm the front row in near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I get to watch them the next day. Get to go to a football game at Coastal Carolina University. Then I get to watch another game and get to fly back home Monday, and we'll do more basketball at Chattanooga the next Saturday. It's, I mean, it's awesome. To, to, to have the privilege of doing this is absolutely incredible to me. I, I sometimes have to pinch myself to think that I really get to do this for a living. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Neil, or Dave, actually, and see, now I'm all confused. Dave, it's actually funny you mentioned that because you have to multitask uh, in this type of job. I mean, it, it just comes with the territory. Um, you know, how do you guys plan to navigate this, you know, you and Parker Griffith uh, going into the Missouri Valley? Obviously, you've got a great team of producers wrapped around you, some good graduate students, but as things continue to spread out and the net continue to be cast, you, you you're going to have games in different places. How do you guys navigate this moving forward? Well, we're we're, uh, we're almost to the end of the crossover season, so here, you know, in a couple of weeks, it'll be it'll be just basketball going on, and then things really slow down when when it's just basketball. It's like okay, uh, you get the holidays, you know, coming up, and you get you do get a little time off, uh, and then then you get the crossover in February when baseball, softball, and everything else starts up again. So. Uh, but the fall crossover is incredibly busy. So, uh, for example, this weekend, Murray State women's basketball is at home Saturday night against Chattanooga. Yep. So since Parker, if he goes to the SEMO game, he can't even be in the stadium either. There's no place for him to sit. So he would be at the, at the theater three, three blocks away from the stadium. So he's just going to watch it remotely there at the CFSB Center and, and do his usual in-game social media while the game's going on, um, and then he'll be there to cover the uh, the women's games uh, Saturday night, and then um, Sunday after Sunday at six. Uh, this this just came out tonight because Murray State volleyball won at Belmont three to one, and they're the uh, seventh seed in Sunday's Missouri Valley volleyball tournament, which is hosted at Evansville. So the racers will play uh, Valparaiso, the sixth seed, Sunday night at six o'clock. Incredible! So, Breaking uh, news from Dave Winder. Yeah. So, so Adit Ratranga, my my GA, who was a great swimmer at Cal Baptist and is from Indonesia, he's going to be with the team in Evansville to cover volleyball. And uh, so then Parker basically basically is covering two things on Saturday, but he's only going to be at in person at the basketball game. Uh, and then I'll be here in Myrtle Beach, and and then Clay Wagner, who uh, was a, a pitcher at Freed Hardeman back in the day, former student athlete. Uh, he's been doing all of our men's basketball in-game social media as well. So uh, between the four of us, uh, we we get it we get it covered somehow. I'll say this, um, Ed, in watching um, you know sports information and how it's evolved. Now, um, you know, 20 years ago, you, the biggest task they had was getting a team picture taken and a media guide and, and then having, you know, statistic responsibilities during games. And what they do now with the same amount of staff, uh, is just amazing to me. And it's, and it's turned into a, a seven day a week job for, sports information, you know, coaches have an off season 
And so they go seven days a week. And, and then, you know, there's recruiting and other things. And so, you know, their, their time is still, is still, you know, they're very busy, but it's not seven days a week. Sports information people, you know, start, you know, in July when, you know, the, the players start coming to campus and they don't stop, uh, you know, until sometimes in the summer, you know, that maybe they have, you know, a month that there's not anything going on. And so it's, it's, uh, it's become such a catch all for, you know, media and social media and, um, you know, dealing with the players and then also, you know, teaching and educating all the student athletes on how to deal with the media and how to speak with a camera in front of you and how to represent the university that it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's amazing to me and not since Dave's, um, you know, laying in the in the other bed across the room from me uh, by well, itself. With, yeah, my laptop with, it, with his shoes with his socks off. Yeah, I got my laptop on my yeah. lap, so it's uh, nothing laptop. on but a laptop over there. <laughs> oh, no. and, and, and so he, he, it just amazes me what they do and yeah. and and with the amount of staff they have. It's absolutely I, phenomenal. Go ahead, Neil. No, I, I echo exactly what Kenny said. Anytime there's any, like, tomorrow I'm going to tell you uh, in the pregame show about the last time that the Racers won an in-season tournament and tell you that Steve Prohm actually won one in this facility. I'm going to tell you why he did it. And you're going to think, man, Neil did some incredible research. He just busted it. And guess what? Neil, here's the research he did. He picked up Dave's game notes and read it. That's where I got it. He, like I said, when we sound smart, it's him. Yeah. 100% of the time, if, if I come well, up with a come nugget, no, 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 Okay, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, 100% gonna, of the time. It's so true because the number of times I was writing on deadline, even for my, you know, even when I try to blog when I've got some time, but even, you know, when I was at the Sun and even prior to that, the number of times that I would be crunching on deadline and I'd be like, man, I want to know what's going on. And Dave would just look at me kind of side-eyed me, you know, like a first baseman would do. And he would just be like, did you look in the damn game notes? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, I was like, uh, nope, nope. And it's like, it's like a guy that's like sitting front row in the class. No, you know, trying to BS his way through a test. And I'm trying to, you know, regurgitate the test and the answers. And Dave, you know, Dave's the teacher and he just calls you out. He's like, did you, did you read the book? And you're like, yeah, I read the book. I totally read the book. And then you get ready to answer the question, like, you know, four paragraphs in, oh, the last racer to score 20 and 10, I don't know. And Dave's just like, you didn't read the book, did you? And that's when you, that's, that's when you have to own up and say, no, I didn't, I didn't read the book, Dave. And I've been to places before where they'll ask Dave, fans or somebody, hey, when do, what time do we play so-and-so Thursday (laughs) or Saturday? And, you know, you say, you know, it would be amazing if they'd come up with maybe, I don't know, a website. That you can just go to one place and maybe click on a thing and it says schedule and it drops down and you click on it and it's got like a time for every game there. It's got places that you can look at stats and links. I think that'd be a great idea if, if the sports information department could come up with something like that. Oh, I don't know, maybe call it at murrayGoRacers.com where you could just click on it and it's got everything there. And you'd never have to ask that question. And the thing about go but Dave won't tell him that. He'll say it tips at seven. 
<laughs> That's what Dave will tell us. He's too nice and to tell them that. The great thing about GoRacers.com, it's the biggest uh, document of history that you could ever find. Exactly. I mean, we're approaching 20 years of history on there. Yep. And there's a way, there's a way to go backwards and fill things in. I just can't find the time to dive into the back stuff. Um, you know, so uh, we got our first big boy uh, college website in 2000, spring of 2006. And, and you remember, you remember when we, so I was here, I was assistant AD yeah. when we launched that and, and, uh, worked with a young man, uh, John Pruitt. Yeah. That was very talented yes. at, at putting together websites and, and, uh, and he built it. We were able to, to secure, he secured the name goracers.com mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we were able to, to, you know, secure that from him later with, for the university, but um, yeah, that was that seems like like forever ago um, when that when that started. But you were there on the ground floor. One quick thing that I do want to mention: another housekeeping uh, thing. Uh, I do want to quickly touch. We're we're kind of running out of time here. You guys have got to get the By the way, you only have day for ninety minutes. That's for <laughs> his contract. I'm his agent. Uh, and by the way, you haven't mentioned. I'm kind of disappointed in you, Ed. Uh, we come on here. You have the single game OBC RBI leader in baseball, yeah. and you haven't even mentioned it yet. No, I, li- I, I, I mentioned it at the very beginning of the podcast. And I, I knew told I you when I booked this, you got to mention that early, and you haven't done it yet. What, I literally mentioned it in the intro, and then I just realized, like, do I need to put quarters in to extend the phone call? Is that how that works? Minutes, thirty minutes of overtime. <laughs> I mean, that's I don't know. Okay, I, I've had a timer going here, so we're at one twenty right now. This yeah. is like a this is like a collect call. Do I have to put in another like a dollar or something to? You're it's just like right now. You're just wasting time. Go ahead. You need to start asking the question. Well, what I want, what I did want to say really quick, because I uh, wanted to get to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've run into both of them this past week. Yeah, me. I'm yeah. one of them. I'm in here. Okay. And I pre- and I, I do. Yeah. Three of our listeners are right the, here. The the Nemo golfer, his mom, I ran into him. Yeah, Jay Nemo and that. And then yeah. uh, David Eaton, I ran into him. So those yeah. are, we have two people who listen. All right, we really <laughs> – well, They're going to be proud that you named yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, oh, those for, for those who inquired. For those who inquired. There it is, Dave. You stole okay, it Okay, well, let's talk about how the name – No, no, it's to, a great those name. Two, those two who inquired. It, it's a great name because that has a backstory in itself. It does. Right. Please, but no, don't don't ask you. Please don't. No, we don't have time for an Ed story. Right. We'll oh do yeah, it. no. no. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do we'll do it some other time. Neil and I have talked a lot about it. Got to go. Thing, with something with one, the dish one. Oh yeah, for sure. What uh one thing I do want to quickly mention some some quick housekeeping. And again, we'll get to women's basketball. They do play this Saturday. You, you know, Dave did, did just mention it, but they also had a very successful signing day uh, with McCracken County's you know Destiny Thomas. You had Haven Ford out near Moorhead, and then you have the red shirt coming off of Zoe Stewart, which I think is definitely worth mentioning here. She was a top hit player in Indiana, and when you have those three, again, Zoe already on the team, but when you have those three coming on for Murray State women's basketball next year, wrapped around Caitlin Young, you know, who had to battle through Purdue this past weekend, just absolutely honing in on her. They they, they took her out of the game plan, and made the rest of the guards work. You've got Murray State women's basketball kind of in the same boat. They they took care of business against Christian Brothers, uh, but then they, you know, battled a, a Big Ten opponent, you know, in, in Purdue. And so it's just absolutely, you know, 
I mean, my goodness, uh, it doesn't get much tougher than that from a turnaround perspective. And now they play Chattanooga this this weekend. So uh, if I've got some extra time, I'm really hoping I can get down to the CFSB Center uh, and see them play there, you know, some live action there. Um, but women's basketball certainly has a lot of expectations there. Uh, Neil, maybe really quick here, just uh, quick thoughts on what you've seen out of Murray State women's basketball in these first few minutes. I've uh, I've liked what I've seen so far. I didn't get to watch the Purdue game. I was able to listen to that, but uh, that's, I think, subscription only to Big Ten Plus. Didn't have that, but was able to listen. Uh, and, and like you said, they did take uh, Caitlin out of the game, but uh, Purdue can't afford to do that. There's not going to be many teams on the racer's schedule that are going to be able to do that, uh, if any more, down the road. So this ought to be, I think, a, a really good test for them, Chattanooga. Uh, and this, I still believe that this racer team will contend for an OBC championship. Or that, 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 right, there's five dollars in the an MBC championship. I knew it would happen eventually. For yeah. the Missouri championship, uh, I think they're one of the top three teams in the league, uh, and I think uh, they have a shot to, on that weekend after the men's tournament. They'll play the next week. They'll have a chance to win a championship if uh, they can stay healthy with what they have. I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing. Absolutely. One last thing I want to tag out with here before we say our farewell. Men's basketball scoreboard. Uh, do check on this uh, on a daily basis. I, I, I suggest all fans take a look. BYU in an absolute dogfight with Missouri State. About 90 seconds to go. They're up 64-62 on Missouri State. So uh, Dana Ford and the boys are, are playing some pretty good basketball on the road at BYU. Chicago State took care of Valparaiso at home, 87-74. They're now 2-0 at home. Again, remember Chicago State and Valparaiso, of course, both on the schedule for Murray State men's basketball. Chicago State coming to Murray State uh, this year. And then, of course, SEMO continues to be the surprise of the Ohio Valley Conference. They moved to 3-0 with a 67-61 road win. At Evansville, and that's an it Evansville was, team that played really good. Early. I picked them to win it. I think they'll win the league. You think they'll beat UC Martin or Moorhead to do it? Yep, sure do. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to keeping up, you know, uh, everything that I can with the Ohio Valley Conference, both with men's and, and women's athletics. Neil and I, you, you and I have talked a lot about how, you know, there's just there's just continuing to be love for the Ohio Valley Conference around here, and the Missouri Valley move is great, but you know, a lot of friendships and kinships made at the Ohio Valley Conference level that aren't just going to disappear tomorrow. So it's uh, it's really cool to continue to watch that, you know, success. And again, SEMO 3-0 and now uh, after this road win at the Ford Center. So Brad Corn and those guys have a, you know, pretty good team, pretty, pretty good team in southeast Missouri. So, well, guys, hey, you what? I want this. we're all honored to, to be on the show with you, that the fact that you would ask us on the show. Uh, I know that uh, Wednesday night is your Dungeons and Dragons night, generally, and for you to put that off and interview us, yeah. we feel pretty privileged about that. We're like a lawful half orc, pretty uh, pretty jolly. Right <laughs> <laughs> did I did I say I did did I say Brian Corn? Brad. Or, it is Brad. Yeah, I thought I said Brad. Maybe I did. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah, you got you got it right for a change. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah, for once I actually got okay. the information right. And Brad, Ed, you Brad did, I mean. Honestly, yeah. Seriously, I kid, but you do a terrific job, I, uh, and I'm glad you really do. Really, I'm on the show anytime you need me, buddy. Yes. Hey, man, I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, we did. I did. Dave, uh, do you, do I need to Venmo you for the 11 RBIs? Like, do I need? Is it like two dollars for the extra 10 minutes, or how much is it? Oh, 
12 RBIs. <laughs> 12. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I give you the information and you I, can't I had, even get it right. I had, 10, I had 10 in my first three at bats. So there. <laughs> against ranked Iowa. Uh, <laughs> I literally, I just but gave you carte blanche. Unbelievable. That's a scorecard in my pocket. You want to see it? <laughs> you do keep it in your wallet, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how – I have a, a TSA pre-check. I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're aware of the it, – it, it, you get to go through – Ed, Dave shows that scorecard. They go, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They have, he has yeah. another line. He goes, they don't check anything out. When he goes he to, just rolls right to take out to, yeah. like, get some beat, yeah. he just shows the scorecard. Shows the and they're like, yeah, come on. That's come it. To, come to the front of them. <laughs> Kenny and I – I have nothing. Kenny has his own baseball card or some card. Yeah, yeah. I have a yeah. Kenny card yeah. somewhere. And Dave has that. I got nothing. I was like, you're going to pay full price there, boy. I, I, speaking of basketball cards and sports cards, I will leave you with this. The last week, a friend of mine gave me a stack of cards, probably about 12, you know, 12, 1500 cards. They were old hockey cards, old baseball cards, all from the late 80s, early 90s, junk wax era. And one of the cards, two or, or three of the cards inside of it was the front row set, which front row basketball. Uh, front row did a series there for about three or four years where they did the draft pick selections. And in this particular box, I have mint condition and Dave Winder, I got to get you one for the hall of fame, uh, among the many John Morant materials that I probably have for you for the hall of fame is, uh, is a mint condition front row Popeye Jones and, uh, three or four of them. And I mean, they're worth like 90 cents. But to racer fans and to racer history, there is a Van Usher card in there too from Tennessee Tech. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Van Usher. Wow. That's and amazing. then, and yeah. then uh, who was who was the Moorhead State star? Brett uh, Roberts. Uh, Brett, Brett Roberts. Yes. Yeah. And I I have one of his cards as well. These were all part of the front old, row. Let's hear that year. Yeah, uh, yeah, year yeah, yeah. Don't get me it's, started. Yeah. Let the nation boring. Yep, that's right. And so those three guys, and among the many, Christian Leitner was part of that draft class. You know, there are so many other. Uh, Robert Ory, I think, was part of that draft class. There were a couple other guys uh, that were all part of this front row selection card process, and it was all these free agents basically going into the NBA for the first time as rookies. And and of course, like I said, I got a I got a mint condition Popeye Jones waiting for Dave Weiner in the Hall of Fame. So. But, uh, guys, I really appreciate the time. You guys have a safe and exciting journey in Myrtle Beach. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. See you, buddy. Thank you. Enjoyed it.